Okay, so we are in this series right now for the month of November where we're trying to understand, engage with the three essential prayers, help, thanks, wow, as laid out by the wise sage Anne Lamott. For us as a community, prayer is, is essential not only to our tradition, but also to our individual stories. How do we connect with the divine? Not in abstract thought, but in actual concrete ways. What does that look like for us in our lives? To start down this path tonight on our second word, thanks, I want to tell you about a story. I told this story a few years ago, but it is, um, it, it's worth telling it again. So a couple of years ago, I was trying to figure out, well, okay, so I was going too fast in my life. There wasn't a lot of margin. I was going at about 230 miles an hour in a body that maxes out at around 50 on my good days. You know what I'm saying? So I was going too fast, and I was trying to figure out how do I slow down. And so naturally, I turned to the Zen Center on Bede Makaska, or next to it, and had some questions for them. And they, they started introducing this concept of meditation. Which, okay, if you're not familiar with the practice of meditation, neither was I, but if you are somebody that has experienced that tension of those uh, dueling thoughts of both like, I just want to sit and do nothing for an hour, but at the same time, I want to feel like I accomplished something, meditation is for you. It will happily scratch that itch. So I stepped into the center. I met with this man who was a Buddhist teacher. And I kind of laid out the 220 miles per hour at the 50-mile max, and he said, uh, follow me, which is weird in any other context, but I had this strange sense, I'm going to trust you on this one. He took me upstairs into this room. He said, I want to walk you through the process of learning how to slow down, to breathe in, to breathe out. I want to teach you the X's and O's of meditation. Guy's about 70, and um, he sits down effortlessly in a crisscross applesauce fashion, and I think he expected me to do the same, <laughs> and my body didn't do the same. What he did in front of me, I could not return the favor. So I ended up just sitting on my, on my butt like a dork, and he said, as long as you're comfortable, that'll be fine. Now, here's what you have to do is I want you to, first thing that you need to do is put your hand over your heart. And so I put my hand over my heart. Now he goes, I want you to thank your heart. And I said, do you want me to do that out loud? And he said, of course. And I said, okay. Took a deep breath in. Hey, you. I see you. You're doing good things. You're working real hard. And don't you think it's going unnoticed? You are pumping me up. Literally. And I'm so proud of you. In fact, even more importantly, I'm grateful for you. I didn't know how to end this moment, so I literally think I stopped by saying, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked the teacher, I said, so, so what, do you, what do you think of that? And he, he goes, do you, do you speak to your heart often? And I go, was it, was it that obvious? <laughs> Did I come off too strong? And I said, you know, it might be shocking to you, but I don't. It's not a regular part of my life. I haven't spoken my heart in quite some time, actually. And he said, what a tragic thing that is. Your heart is the reason why you're here. You are not here because of what your hands have created or what your head has imagined. You are here because your heart has chosen to work each and every day with every tick and every talk that has brought you to a new day. You are here because of your heart. It's the most important part of your body. And yet you never stop 
to say thank you. And then he said this. How do, you be, how do you expect to be grateful for anything if you will not be grateful for the main thing? There's a story in, um, among, it's in ancient Judaism, but it's a story of the Exodus when the millions of slaves are freed from Egypt and they're crossing over the split open sea. The rabbis would tell this story about in the midst of the millions who are walking to their liberation, there were two boys, one named Reuben and one named Shimon. Halfway through the wide open sea, Reuben notices, man, like, yes, obviously, awesome, the waves are being held back, but the ground is a mess. Like, this is muddy, it's disgusting, and it's cold. Shimon goes like, yeah, this isn't that great at all. Like, I can't get this. I'm never going to be able to get this stench of the bottom of the sea off the bottom of my feet. What I would give to be out of this cold mess and back in the hot sun, the dry dust of Egypt. What I'd give just to go back and just lay out for a little while. When the rabbis tell this story, they say that on this day, the greatest miracle that has ever happened, happened. But for these two boys, all they could see was the mud. They missed the miracle. Ralph Emerson, in the mud and scum of things, there, always, 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 something sings. But not all can hear the song. For you tonight, as we gather in this room, as we sit here together, can you hear the song? You're here another day. You got to kiss your kids another day. You got to see your friends another day. Fresh air moved in and out of your body another day. You're here. Can you hear the song? Can you see the miracle, or can you only see the mud? I want you to watch this video. There's something that we know about everyone we meet anywhere in the world, and that is that all of us want to be happy. By experiencing, by becoming aware that every moment is a given moment, as we say. It's a gift. You haven't earned it. You haven't brought it about in any way. You have no way of assuring that there will be another moment given to you. Grateful living, that's the most valuable thing that can ever be given to us. We have to stop. We have to get quiet. And when you stop, then the next thing is to look. You look, you open your eyes, you open your ears, you open your nose, you open all your senses. 
for this wonderful richness that is given to us. Whatever life offers to you in that present moment, if you take this opportunity, go with it. Stop, look, go. That's all. Stop, look, go. That's all. There's a story in Luke 17. Jesus is on the road and he is crossing a border. This is a border region out in the stick outside of the city. And while he crosses into this border region, he comes across 10 lepers who are desperate for help. They have lost their lives. From what we understand about leprosy, as painful uh, as leprosy physically was, it was even more painful to be a leper because you were outcasted, you were excluded, you were not allowed to come within um, arm's reach of any other people. You always had to have space between you. And should you actually approach a crowd of people, it was your legal obligation, and you would be punished by death if you did not do so, to be shouting at the top of your lungs, unclean, unclean. Which is why when they see Jesus at this spot right here, they shout from a distance. Ten lepers approach Jesus. They see him crossing the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he's about to go into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Ten lepers whose bodies are mangled and infected and whose limbs have been twisted and turned, whose families have disowned them and whose lives are essentially over. They shout out to Jesus, Jesus, have pity on us, to which I would ask, how could he not? Jesus, though, who is always the epitome of care and compassion, he shouts back at them, go to church. Table starts at five, don't be late. Go show yourselves to the priests. Why would you, I don't, what's the logic behind that? Why would I go back to the place where I first went broke? Why would I, who is in pain, go to the place where I first found pain? The priests were the ones who told him to leave the city and go out into the sticks. Why would I go back there? What do the priests have to do with my pain? Well, actually quite a lot. The priests in the city were responsible for certifying whether or not somebody had actually been healed and thus were allowed to come back into their old social rhythms of life. The priests, they were the representatives of the system that signed off on whether or not you were enough, whether or not you had what it took, whether or not you were good enough to be with the people who had already been deemed good enough. So these 10 lepers, they go back to the city because the priests for them were the people who gave them permission to finally be happy. Who do you go for that? Who, who is the source, the person, the place? What is the status, the income, the, uh, the, the de decoration? What is the thing that you look for to provide you with permission so that you can be happy right now? Is it your parents? Is it a paycheck? 
Is it a promotion? When I get this thing or go to this place or find this person, well then, and only then, I'll be happy. Jesus sees 10 lepers on the side of the road in the worst form of physical and social pain people could be in. And he responds to their pain by giving them a cure. He provides them with a gift of life. And the text says that as they went, they were cleansed. As they started to walk towards the priests, they were cleansed. But here's what's interesting about that word. Is that Greek word there? Is Bill right in the room? Bill, how do you say this word? Thank you. That's so, he's so brilliant. If you have time in your life to make for Bill right, you'll be a better person if you spend just five seconds with him. Katarizo. What that word is speaking of, Bill, correct me if I'm wrong, later, not now, is that that is essentially speaking of somebody who went to a shower dirty and came out clean. This is where we get our word catheter from. The filth was removed. The stain had been stripped. The waste within is now out. This is a cleansing that has happened. They've, they've been, the, the, the dirt has been purged. Catheterizo is what happened, but that's really all that's happened here. I mean, beyond them going on into the shower and getting clean, it's not like they're actually being cured. And here's how we know this. There's one person out of the 10 that stands still. All 10 were told to go to the priests. All 10 were cleaned, cleansed as they went. But only one person was healed. That were there. Bill, go ahead, floor is yours. Ya'omai. That's the same word that's used in other spaces for salvation, for shalom, for, as Radiohead would say, all the pieces in their right place. It is possible to be clean but not cured. It is possible to be washed but not well. It is possible to have a gift offered to you without having that gift open by you. And when I tried to understand this text, and I tried to ask questions about what is it about this one among the 10 that made him well and not just cleansed, what jumped out at me again and again was that line in the middle. When he saw he was healed, slow it down. When he saw, he was healed. When he took the time, when he took the space to stop and to stare, he was healed. His permission to be happy, to be free, to be full, to be well, to be healed, it wasn't on the other side of some priest in some place saying that now you are good to go. It was here. Everything he needed, he had already had. He just needed to lean in and open up the gifts that had been offered to him. When he saw he was healed, I want to, um, 
I want to invite us to do that tonight. It's going to be a little bit different, but I have a friend that leads a church out in Washington, and he did this meditation with their community, and when I was talking with him about it, he said it was weird in the moment. This is like me, you brace for it. But he said afterwards, in the weeks that followed, the stories that came out of that space individually of people who stopped and stared and saw a gift that they didn't know had been given was mind-blowing to him. And so we're going to do this together. Get cozy. You don't have to sit crisscross applesauce. If you want to, though, there's plenty of apple or aisle space. But I want to take us into a meditative moment where we do what this man here did, where we stop and we see so that we too may be healed. All right, so just finding a comfortable position. I know most people are probably sitting while watching this, but if you're on a treadmill, you might want to save this part for later. So just um, closing your eyes and, and uh, just paying attention to your breath, not needing to change it necessarily in any particular way. Just uh, bringing your awareness to it, unnoticing. Maybe it's the coolness on the nostrils as you breathe in, and then the, the release, the letting go as you exhale. Just allowing your mind to settle into the breath. I'm just going to remind the body that it can relax. Letting the mind take a break from its constant remodeling and destruction projects that it's always doing. And just returning back to the breath at any time. And now just drop your awareness into the heart space. You might even imagine or visualize that as you breathe, you're breathing in and out of the heart space. As you're there, you're going to ask a question, but I don't want you to go to thought, up to thought to figure it out. You're just going to ask the question and then let it go because this is about feeling. So without trying to figure it out or go up to thought to know, just ask the question and let it go. And here it is. Breathing in and out of the heart. What am I grateful for? Just ask the question and let it go. What am I grateful for? And maybe a feeling or a thought will come to you, perhaps an image or a memory a face what am I grateful for just ask the question and let it go just breathing in and out of that heart space I am so grateful for blank just asking and releasing and if the mind wanders no judgment no big surprise, just return to breathing in and out of the heart. What am I grateful for? I am so grateful for blank. 
You might even put your hands over your heart as you ask one final time. What am I grateful for? Taking one long, slow, final in-breath. Let it go with a bit of a sigh. All right, just bring your awareness back to the space that you're in. And maybe you just join with this conscious intention to say, I'm, I'm choosing to be awake to the miracle and the gifts of this present moment today. One of my favorite mystics, Meister Eckhart, he says that if the only prayer you say in your life is thank you, that would be enough. Because when we stop and we say thank you, we recognize that we have enough. I did this the other night in my bed. I was laying in bed and I was listening to Ryan do this meditation. And um, I, was, I was moving fast that day, going from one thing to the next. And I didn't see my wife the way that I need to see my wife. It wasn't mean, but I just didn't see her as the gift, you know. But I heard that meditation. And you, I don't know if it happens for you, but you roll over and you go like, oh my gosh. I get to be married to you. And those are our kids down the hall. And we get to do another day in this crazy life. Heaven forbid we have the courage. Heaven forbid we don't spend the rest of our days staring at the mud while we're walking through a miracle. Because life is an incredible gift. And love is the point. Let's be here for it while we're here. Amen? Amen. was thinking while Matt was talking that the full life isn't necessarily a life where everything is going smoothly or perfectly, but the full life is a life in which we actually pause and see God in the middle of it, no matter what's going on in our lives. And when we pause, no matter what might be hard or joyous or everything in between, that's when we can experience that gratitude that we're called to. But it does call us to stop and to pause. One of the beautiful things about this community is when we gather on Sunday nights, it often causes me to pause. And my guess is that it causes a lot of you to pause as well. Because our truth, our reality is that we have this moment. This is the moment that we have. That we get to engage in life and share our lives. And remember that this God who loves us is right in the middle of it all. And we can be thankful and we can be thankful together. 
on the night before Jesus died, he took bread. And he gave thanks. And he broke the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. And he took the cup and he poured wine into the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. The new covenant. When you drink from this cup, remember me. So no matter what you're going through, what's happening in your life, we can come up and we can take the bread and we can dip it into the cup and we can stop. And we can remember and we can be thankful that we have a God that stands with us and that loves us and never leaves us. And we can be grateful for this moment that we have. So as you come forward during the music, the gluten-free elements will be in the middle and the regular elements on the side. And we invite you to take the bread and dip it into the cup. We pray that the Spirit will fill you up with a thankfulness that transcends wherever you're at. So please stand as together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.